GHC. This is Samantha coming to you with the GHC Leadership Series. Today, I'd like to welcome a leader with unprecedented leadership skills. She has served as Vice President for Academic Affairs at Chattanooga State Community College, as an Assistant Vice President and Dean of Academic Affairs at Lanier Technical College, and she is our current Interim President of Georgia Highland College, Dr. Dana Nichols. Hi, Dr. Hi, you, you're more than welcome to call me Dana. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I had a um, conversation with one of my co-hosts, Kim, just today. I was on my way to, to, to school to do this uh, these episodes today. And I, I think addressing people is something that we need to talk about. Um, and so I pitched an idea to her and I said, hey, we should do a segment on uh, professors and how to address them and how to make students comfortable addressing them. Because not everybody says, hey, you can call me Dana. Right. And and we have something that I have, I know a professor uh, that I had last semester who never really introduced himself, that signed everything with his first name. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't really think much about it. I mean, it was called him first. I did, a, I did an honors project under him. It was never weird for me, not to mention I'm a non-traditional student. So it's a little easier, I think, for me to communicate. Um, but I was walking down the hall with one of the students who I lead. I work in the undergraduate research lab for our water quality. And so I, I do lead a team over there. And I was walking down the hall with one of them. She's young. And she was like, well, I have this professor. And he introduced his, himself by his first name. And I feel weird about it. And I thought, I've had that feeling. And so I pitched it to her. And I think we're going to do a little segment on um, how to make people comfortable and, and asking, hey, what should I call you? I think that's great. You know, I... One of my degrees is in Spanish, and so you learn the difference between the state and tu, right. which uh, are both you pronouns, but you use one as, as a sign of respect for people who are older or more accomplished, and then you use one as just best pals and peers. Right. And so in the Spanish language classroom, you get very used to asking, you know, how do your professors want to be addressed? Right. And you always err on the side of the usted, right. more formal one, until they say, I don't know. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I think that's good. And we don't have that kind of natural grammatical respect built into English right. the way that they do in Spanish. So we might need to be taught that. Right. Yeah. Well, I, the way I handled my, uh, my professor who signed everything by his first name is... Although he had a PhD attached to the, you know, attached to his name and he's signing himself as his first name, I um I would call him professor. Yes. I feel like it's a it's a very good middle ground. Um it's it's kind of formal, but it's not so formal. He didn't say call me doctor, he didn't say I'm doctor so and so. So I, I stick with professor and I leave the name off. That's a safe option. And you know, most people do feel uncomfortable addressing me by my first name if they're students. Right. It's, it's they're they're uncomfortable showing that kind of familiarity, and if they are, then Dr. Nichols is fine. But right. In general, if you're comfortable with Dana, I am too. I am too. I, I'm totally comfortable with Dana. Um, so the main reason why we're here is to talk about trust. Um, for for you in your current leadership role, um, how, how did you get there? How'd you land as an interim president of a, of a college? Well, so I started out in the classroom. I um, I started out even as an undergraduate um, substituting for teachers and then working in the foreign language lab. And, and so I knew I wanted to teach. Mm -hmm. I knew that teaching uh, was my my heart uh, career. Right. And I had to have a master's degree to teach because I knew I didn't want to teach the little ones. Right. I have the utmost respect for everybody that can teach with the 
the little ones, but I knew I didn't want to do that. That wasn't for me. I wanted to teach adults. It takes a special soul. It does. I totally agree. And I I am lacking that. I want to teach adult learners. I'm in the same boat. (laughs) And so um, I finished my master's and I went into a tender track position in English and Spanish at what was then Gainesville State College. And I loved it. And I did it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, at the end of the maybe ninth year, I kind of ran out of steam with teaching freshman comp and teaching basic Spanish. There's only so many exciting ways you can teach how to write a thesis statement and how to conjugate a regular AR verb. And it kind of got a little stale for me. And I didn't want that to come across to my students. And so I said, okay, I need a new challenge. Mm-hmm. And I looked around and I thought, I've always worked and studied in the university system of Georgia. Let me dip my toe into the technical college system and learn what that system is like. And there happened to be an opening for a coordinator of evening programs mm-hmm. at Lanier Technical College. Um, and I applied for it and I got it. And I was the evening administrator. So when everybody else went home at 530, I was the one that had to leave the college from then until we closed at 1030. Mm-hmm. So everything from people cutting their fingers in the machine tool lab to um, cosmetology students getting upset with their instructors to financial aid to you name it. I was the one that had really good. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was exciting. Um, it was always something different every day. And it taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. It taught me a lot about the technical college system, but it also taught me a lot about administration. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel that that was really where my path was leading. Right. And unfortunately, the, the dean that worked there at that time that I reported to, she uh, came down with cancer and she passed away within about a year of my starting that role. And so I applied for the Dean of Academic Affairs and I got that. And um, then I was, um, a few years later, um, asked to apply for the Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs, or excuse me, Academic Affairs at uh, Linear Tech and I, and I got that role. And then it sort of got stale again, mm-hmm. you know? I had yeah. been doing the same thing in the technical college system. I kind of had figured out, um, so I applied for a different system. Mm-hmm. There was a vice president of academic affairs role available at Chattanooga State Community College. And I really didn't think I had much um, a chance at it, but mm-hmm. they hired me and I went there, learned a lot. Uh, so this is the third system that I've had contact with across mm-hmm. the Southeast. And that institution was a challenge in a lot of ways. Um, they wanted a leader to maintain the status quo. And I'm not that kind of leader. Right. I want to drive innovation and I want to drive creativity. And so it it was um, it was obvious pretty pretty close to the beginning there that this was not going to be a good fit for me. The 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 woman who was president there that hired me, um, four months later she became chancellor of the system. Oh, wow. And so I got a new person. Uh, that I was reporting to that wasn't the one that hired me. And I think I like um, calculated risk-taking. Right. And I think that institution was very risk-averse. So it just wasn't, there was nothing wrong with it. Right. There's nothing wrong with either side of it. It's just it wasn't a good fit. And sometimes, you know, when you're in a leadership role, you have to take that into account. Right. And so then I had been hearing about all these great things at Georgia Highlands College. Mm-hmm. I had heard that, you know, Don Green was this amazing innovator and president that was leading the way. 
way, by example, and thought, okay, well, they're hiring. I'll apply and see what's what. And so I started here about three years ago as vice president for academic affairs. And I um, quickly became provost. And um, when Don Green, who, who by the way, is, is one of the best bosses I've ever worked for, uh, when he announced that he was leading us to pursue an opportunity in Pittsburgh, uh, he asked if he could recommend me to the chancellor for the interim role. And I reluctantly said yes. Yeah. Because I had never really um, thought of myself as a president. I I wanted to be vice president for academic affairs and programs. That was sort of my dream job. Wow. Um, so I was kind of living the dream. Yeah. And, he, and I had a great boss. And, uh, and he, you know, left to pursue an amazing opportunity in Pittsburgh. Don't blame him a bit. But it was a little bit of a shock. I will tell you, when I got that email, uh, because I do work at Georgia Highlands, I, I have the staff email and I, and I see those things. When I got that email, it stopped me in my tracks and it made me sad. Yeah. And I was like trying not to be, uh, I was trying to be selfish about it, <laughs> but I was like, what do you mean? What do you, what, what do you mean? Right. You know, yeah. I was, um, I did an honors project for my informatics class and I was at the vaccination event that we did. Yes. The first vaccination event with Western Pharmacy. And, you know, he was there. I know he, he said, call me Don. Yeah. And it was one of those things we were just talking about. Dr. Green. Yeah. <laughs> I just struggled. But anyway, so so he was there and he was getting you know vaccinated. And he was so nice to me. He was, you know, willing to answer my questions. He was willing to let me take his picture. And I um, I feel very comfortable sitting here with you. You're, you're the interim president, you know, and, and that's a big deal for students, you know. Um, not not all students are gonna write an email and say, "Hey, we're gonna do a project with me right. to to the leaders of the school." So um, I feel like with when it came to Don, I was I was really I, I was heartbroken and happy at the same time. Yeah. So. It, it was an amazing opportunity for him. He would have been foolish to turn it down, and and uh, and I get all that. But I had the same reaction that yeah. he did, and it, and it was sad uh, to. to you know, his farewell and everything. It was really sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but he and I both thrive on student interaction. I mean, we wouldn't do what we do right. if we couldn't interact with the students. So right. people like you who reach out and ask us to spend time with you, we really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you being here. <laughs> Let's just say that. So let me just ask you like a fun question. What um what sparked your interest in your young? Who did you want to be when you grew up? Um gosh, I mean as long as I can remember, I think teaching was in my mind as something that I wanted to do. I can remember um, many years ago, uh, the kids weren't required to go to kindergarten. You were tested, and I was tested, and I went directly into first grade. So first grade was my first interaction with kind of formalized education. Yeah. And I had a first-year teacher who I thought was beautiful and brilliant and just amazing, you know, in my, in my six years on this earth, right. she was the She's epitome the <laughs> of, of what it was to be a teacher. Her name was Mrs. Laura Simpson. And I remember very, very well asking her one day, how do you become a teacher? And I don't recall having thought of a career path or anything. I wasn't one of those little girls that wanted to be a ballerina. Right. You know, a, a you weren't writing or, stuff in a notebook, <laughs> you know, trying to, you know, your vision board at six. Exactly. Right. I wasn't that kid. You know, I was playing, riding horse, horses in the barn and that kind of thing. Right. Um, and so when she told me, well, you've got to go to college. Yeah. I said, okay. Go and college. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be like you. Mm. 
but as I got older, I realized I didn't want to work with that population. Right. I wanted to work with somebody. But I mean, but it, it still drove you that way. Did. Yeah, it that did. was your job. And you still needed college. Yeah. So I was still on the right path. Right. And even more college. You like school. Right. <laughs> So the reason we brought you here, I know I already said it once, but I'm enjoying having this conversation. The reason we brought you here was to talk about trust Mm -hmm. inside of leadership and what that means. So can you define um, what trust as a leader means? Well, I think for a leader, it means the same thing as it means for anybody. Trust is one of those really important aspects of human relationships, no matter whether it gets a leadership role or whether it's a peer-to-peer role. But I mean, for me anyway, leadership is... The ability to believe what is being said, and it is the ability to believe it without needing evidence. Okay. Right. right. So, trust maybe. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you trust is a funny thing. You know, you it takes forever to earn it, mm-hmm. but it takes one bad comment or one um, incorrect statement to lose it. Right. And so, I protect it very closely and if I do find out that I've said something or done something that was an error I try very hard to go back immediately and say I messed up you know here's here's what I was thinking and here's why it was not the right way right people need to know that even if you're a leader you can mess up right but the trust comes in when you're willing to come back and say okay I was acting on the best information I had at that time, but I've gotten more information and here's where we are now. My apologies for misleading. I feel like that goes, that ties together really close with the leadership aspect of accountability. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We did a pit, we did a piece on accountability today mm-hmm. um, with Michelle Lockett Lewis. Oh, she's great. She's like my best friend. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to put on running shoes and do some things. Okay. <laughs> I told her, I said, uh, just say so you no. Know, she goes, anytime you're doing something fun like this, yeah. call me. And yeah. I said, I am on it. I wish I had been that five audit projects ago because <laughs> you'd have been in all of them. But um, yeah, so let me ask you this. Why did you, I, when I sent out, I sent out a call to, to all the leaders at GHC, you guys don't hesitate. The, one thing I wanted to touch on real quick, what we were talking about is um, when you were talking about your education and, and how you got to, into your leadership role, um, you said, well, I applied and I got it and I applied and I got it. And then I didn't think that I had a chance and I applied and I got it. I think it's really important for the student body to take away from that, that a no never costs anything. No, nope. That's such a double negative and I'm not a double, <laughs> double negative. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's quite all right. <laughs> but no will not ever cost you a dollar. Right. Correct. And not a yes might cost you infinity amounts, mm-hmm. maybe not money, but experiences and and mentors and all those things. So when I put the call out and you responded almost very first Mm -hmm. and um, I gave a list, why did you choose trust? Um, Well, I think the longer that I serve in higher education and the longer I live on the planet, I realize how critical a commodity that is. Interpersonal relationships, building relationships is the key. I I am convinced to everything from increasing enrollment and retention in in my field to uh, encouraging people to buy the right products. I mean, everything comes back down to relationships. And what you said about mentoring, that is so important. Um, And you have to trust your mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, I had an amazing mentor. 
I met when I was about 19 years old and I was trying to navigate, you know, what I wanted to do. And I didn't know how to become a college professor. I was a first generation college student. Mrs. Simpson told me I needed to go to college. I went to college. Once I decided I wanted to teach adult learners, I needed a new Mrs. Simpson. Mm-hmm, right. And I had one and he was amazing. Um, but I had to trust that his advice was coming from a good place and that he was telling me the truth and he was reliable. Mm-hmm. And if he messed up, he would come back and say, okay, I've thought about this some. I want to correct something here. It's been so important in my life because I've had to trust mentors and and other leaders to get me on the right path myself. And so when I reflect back and I think about what aspect of my relationship with those mentors and others has been so important, it's really, it's boiled down to trust, right? That I could take their word to the bank and they knew what they were talking about and they guided me in the right way, obviously. Right. You're here. Yeah. <laughs> You're I mean, that you, you didn't never even strive for. Right. You know? Right. If you guys don't know if you can, always try. Yeah. Always try. Um, I, I'm a walking testament. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. Uh, 45. Mm-hmm. And as long as we have commencement before May 19th, I will be 45 and graduate with my bachelor's. Don't know when that will be. So I worked really hard, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I went to college a couple of times before uh, I made it to Georgia Highlands College, but um, the mentors that I have gained from this school, um, sometimes you guys, if, uh, if you might not even know that you have a mentor, it might be that it's uh, somebody that you're relating to that maybe you ask questions to, they are mentoring you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple of very key players in my mentor, uh, my mentor repertoire. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so uh, my advisor, Dr. Michelle Boyce, I would not be anywhere near to what I am without her. She's and um, Professor Erin Shufro, yes. who is our uh, STEM division chair. Um, she'll be in after you today. Oh, good. So that's pretty exciting. She's <laughs> going to talk about delegation. Um, <laughs> very important. Yes, very important. And um the the opportunities that I've had for a mentor mentee relationship, um, I think that we don't um, we don't utilize. Um, I don't. I'm trying. I'm fishing for the words, but we don't. I, I believe it's kind of a service that Georgia Highlands College offers without it being part of a of a, of a particular entity, right? Um, but I don't know that everybody takes advantage. And I am a cheerleader for Georgia Highlands College, right? You wouldn't believe, like, I am a huge advocate for the tutorial center. Nice. I have a tutor. I've spent almost two years with a tutor. Um, I'm not taking science classes this semester at Design, but every other semester that I've taken science, I've been with her a couple of three times a week, you know. I'm now a writing center advocate. I have a couple of tutors that I, you know, and I, you guys utilize the, the services that our school offers to you because I don't think that it's utilized enough, um, especially the writing center. Um, I know I've had to do peer reviews where I look at it and I'm like, girl, you did not take this, but you take it to the writing center and then and, and then bring it back. So that's um, great advice. And thank you for encouraging students to utilize those resources. That's one thing we are really good about doing is providing the right support for students. But students have to take advantage of those supports. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're afraid of, you know, there's a stigma that maybe um, I'm not cut out for college if I have to go get tutoring. That's not it at all. Right. That's why we have these things. We can't all be 100% good at 100% of the things. Right. 
So we need some help. We need tutors. And our small class sizes really do allow students to get to know and have that mentoring relationship with their faculty. And our faculty want to. Mm -hmm. They do. I've not had one person on faculty that I've been under in a class or anything that was like, no, I'm not moving. Never. I mean, I'm uh, huge. And and to to play on that, like I I plan on, um, so I graduate in May. Um, I, I do plan on pursuing full-time employment at Georgia Highlands. Good. So uh, I'm throwing it out in the universe <laughs> to make it stick now that I've committed to it. But uh, right. you're, the, you're the second person I told that to today. Uh, I haven't mentioned it to anybody, not even my mentors. Right. Um, but it is something that I strive for because I believe in, in what we do here and I trust in what we do here and I trust in my mentors. Uh, no one's ever led me down the wrong time. Right. So um, trust is huge, is. especially in that mentor-mentee relationship. Do you, uh, what kind of advice would you give to a young and upcoming leader regarding trust? Like how to, how to approach it, how to maybe build it, how to maybe, maybe like find a mentor and be able to instill your trust in them? You definitely find a mentor. I mean, I, I think uh, going through the world alone is hard and unnecessary. I think that, you know, many people, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of family support. Um, and that was great. But they, I, again, I was a first generation college student. They didn't know how to navigate that space. So they took me as far as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I needed some others to come in and help me navigate further. And an army of Mrs. Simpson. Exactly. It, it, absolutely. It takes a village. And um, I, I think absolutely find one or two people that you really believe are living what you want to do and be. Right. And get build that relationship with them so there's mentoring don't leave a, a good mentor on the ship yes um, that's one thing the other thing is you know when you when you speak when you act there's always an audience you're mm-hmm. always on stage and so as a leader that's particularly true and you have to be confident and accurate you guys, be careful what you put on social media. <laughs> Even when you're 18, 20 years old, it, it's out there. It's right. not going away. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. You have uh, more now than ever a, a public face. Even if it doesn't always feel public to your point about social media, um, you've got to be confident and accurate in what you say. And again, be confident enough to detract it. If you, if you misstep or if you misspeak, mm-hmm. Be confident enough to own that and say, you know, that that was the best information I had at the time. Or, um, you know, I was having a bad day. We have bad days, too. Right. It's okay. Right. But own um, it. Right. Accountability. Yes. That's why we're going back to accountability. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, for you and your role as an interim president of the college, what do you value most regarding trust? So, again, I wouldn't trying to become president you know i was uh, in my sort of dream job and this this opportunity came along and that's another thing i will say that if opportunity comes knocking open the door right explore that opportunity um but one of the things even though this hadn't been on my radar um when it was presented to me i really looked at the team that i would be working with in in new roles Mm -hmm. of course i had been working with our cbo for you know Few years I've been working with Sarah our provost for a few years but the dynamic change right and so when I looked at how that dynamic change would look I really looked at trust right 
did they trust me in my role as a peer and supervisor then? And not just those two, but many others too. Did the faculty trust me? Right. Were the staff going to support and trust that I was going to make good decisions for the college? And at the end of the day, I felt good about the groundwork that I had laid. And I'm not saying 100% of the people support me 100%. That's right. just an unrealistic goal. Right, right. But at the end of the day, I felt like the vast majority of the people here had seen my work right. as provost, trusted me to leave the college, even if it's just an interim role. I don't know right. how long that will last. Right. Um, and so that was one of the key factors, because if I had felt that the majority didn't trust me or didn't like the work that I had done in my role as provost, I wouldn't have accepted being right. running because that's, that's a key piece to leading, right? at least for me. Right. So, you know, what I found fascinating about what your answer to that question was, um, you did not one time say, do I trust them? Mm-hmm. It's all about, do they trust me? Mm-hmm. So coming at it from that point of view, I think is a very... Um, important thing to instill to our student body. It's not a matter of what you trust. Um, that will come. Right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Come. And, and you know, you can lead. You can lead in a way that doesn't require the trust of the people that report to you and the people that, that work in an organization. But you don't get nearly as much accomplished, and you don't have an environment that people like you said, want to work in, right? And so you can, yeah, you can serve as a leader in, in a situation like that. That's not a situation I want to Me either. I don't want to, I don't want to lead in that situation. I, I certainly don't want to follow in that situation. No. no. So I think that, um, and I may have said this because I've, I've done a few interviews today, but um, I think that it's really important that we understand um who we've served under yes. as a leader. Um, and I I think that that helps you de- define yourself and your own leadership style. Oh, yes. You know, by, by good and bad, yeah, right? You agreed. have um, great leaders that you emulate and you have leaders that you think, ooh, never going to do that. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, uh, the, um, okay, so I didn't like the way that was handled. I'm going to never handle that exactly. that way. And I think that forms us into our leadership come style. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, how do you think that that what you just said by answering the question of what you value most, how, how do you think that that affects your daily um, daily faculty interaction or daily um, student interaction, anything? You know, and, and I've been interim since July of 2021. And so I have been sort of mourning the fact that I don't have more time with students and that I don't have more time with faculty. Provost, I was constantly involved with students and faculty. So this has been a real uh, shift mm-hmm. for me. Right. And I so look forward to when I can get back to that a little more, like what we're doing today. Right. And get to know our students more on a one-on-one basis. And, um, and, and, you know, we've got new faculty coming in and just get to know them the way that I did previous years, academic years. But one thing that I hope to always bring um, as I as I meet new students, as I meet new faculty and staff, is I trust you to come to me. You know, communication is so important, and I trust you to come to me. 
whether it's good or bad. If you have a problem, I need to know it. I can't fix it if I right. know. And I trust you to come and tell me, you know what, this is working great. Mm-hmm. Love this about what it's learning. But I need to be able to do the same thing. I need to be able to come to you also and say, you know, you're you're amazing in this way. I'd really like to help you learn more about this. What can I do to support you? How can I help coach you? Right. Or excellent job. And then be authentic in both. So, right. you know, I'm not just, you know, praising you to try to get on your good side right. or something that, that there's real substantive value to what I'm praising you for. We call it blowing smoke. <laughs> you know, not just blowing smoke, you know, but there's substantive value to it. And, and, and that kind of thing, again, is all about relationship building. Right. You know, being able to take constructive criticism and assistance when it's offered to help you in an area where maybe you need a little help. Right. And we all do. And let's not be closed-minded what our what our weaknesses are. Yes. You know, because yes. we can't make them stronger if we're closed-minded what they are. Um, do you have scenarios regarding trust in your current leadership role that keep you up at night? Now, I know you've only been here since July. <laughs> But you have provost and all that stuff. Is there any is there anything that you've um, that you've experienced where you just it wakes you up at three thirty in the morning and you can't go back to sleep? Sure. And and those those times when I have had bad information or not enough information, incomplete information, and I realize it. Mm-hmm. And there's I'm not gonna pick up the phone at three o'clock in the morning and call and make it right, but the first thing in the morning I wanna call and make it right. And so it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, those kinds of things really weigh on my heart. Right. And um, the other thing is that there are some people, unfortunately, that you encounter, and it doesn't matter what field you're in, um, that you just feel you don't have that mutual trust. Right. And I spend a lot of time waking up worrying about how do I how do I fix that? How do I make them trust me if that's the issue? Or how do I learn to trust them? Or should I? Right. Should I just file this one away as a, this is not. You can't win them all. Right. 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 And, and so those kinds of things I replay and wake up thinking about. And, you know, it's not even necessarily within Georgia Highlands, but, you know, we're part of a larger system. There's 26 institutions. We have a lot of peers that we have to work with and work well with. The technical college system has to play well with the university system. Right. So you, you meet a lot of people and, and there are inevitably going to be some that you say, Mm-hmm. not sure I can buy what they're saying. Yeah. And so thinking about how you can figure out, you know, am I making a snap judgment? Should I give, you know, right. those kinds of things, puzzles. Right. Um, wake me up. Yeah. 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 Strategy. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of strategy. Yeah. Stra- strategic puzzles. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a baseball fan. Uh-huh. Everybody knows that's nothing but strategy. If you, <laughs> if you were watching baseball, I'm a brave fan. I was born with it. It's in my blood. It is nothing but strategy out there on the field. That's right. Well, you know um, we're getting the baseball and softball stadium in, in Corbersville. I know. It's right next to the campus. Look, I'm going to tell you <laughs> something. I interviewed Coach Harold this morning. Oh, good. And we talked about goal setting. Yeah. And I explained to him that I graduate in May of 22 and that I expected to apply for a full-time position in the athletic department, and I would send him my resume. Nice. And he nice. said, there are so many good things coming up. I'm sending my <laughs> resume because I am pursuing grad school. Um, I've, I've been shopping around. Um, not going to tell you the story. It's boring. But I, I originally wanted to be an RD, and that's just not. I'm just not in the season of my life to, to pursue the hours that are going to go into that. Sure. Um, and so I 
I have a son who's going to be going into high school when I start grad school. Oh, wow. So um, I don't want to be super absent. I need to be there, you know, at, at dinner. I need to, you know, just, I just need to be there, you know. Yes. And um, so I started pursuing things that were kind of closer to my side of town. I live in Rockmore. I work over at Hardestville campus. Um, all of my classes are online at this point because I'm done with all my face-to-face stuff. Um, not because of COVID, but because that's my program, you guys. Um, we're back face to face. We are. Come to school. Um, but I, uh, I just decided that I was going to just pursue some grad schools and see what kind of programs they did have to offer. And uh, University of West Georgia offers a pretty phenomenal sport management program. Oh, great. Yeah. And with a nutrition education. I don't know if they call it a minor or like an embedded mm-hmm. into, like certificate. Uh, I haven't gotten that far into it. I just know it really interests me Great. because I know I can use that here. Sure. And that's that's my plan. I have a vision. I haven't told anybody about but I have a vision Wonderful. for the athletic department. That's my leadership quality right there. I got right. some visions. Well, that's an important quality to have as a leader. And by the way, the University of West Georgia is an amazing institution. Yeah. I'm really excited. They've done nothing but, but great things for me. And, you know, I've, I um, I was in a class that I wasn't doing right in. It was a straight, a strictly test based class. I, I don't test well. I'm a project girl. Obviously, I, I do well in writing papers and doing projects. And uh, I, I talked to my professor. I, I'm, I'm the first one to reach out and say, "Listen, I'm having a problem. Can you help me?" I reached out to him, and I think we both came to a mutual agreement. This is an elective. I'm trying to go to grad school. And withdrawal now um, because it's all test based. Three tests, and that's it. Right. And, uh, I, I just don't test well, and, and that's okay, you guys. You don't have to. Um, but he said, you know what? You should check into your grad school program because a lot of grad school programs are going to be test based. And so I went back to the person I talked to for my orientation. I did not tell her about that. Mm-hmm. I probably should even tell you, <laughs> but whatever. We're, we're, it's no here. Safe. Yeah, <laughs> secret safe on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Um, so I went back to her and I said, listen, I, I just wanted to know if maybe you could send me a sample of, a sil- you know, a couple of syllabi from the program, um, just to see if it's going to be a fit for me. She sent me a link to every syllabi in the requested, in the required classes for that program. So I was able to look at everything. You guys always reach out, especially if you're trying to go to grad school, if you want to go to grad school, all these people that, that you're hearing me interview, they all care. And they all want you to succeed. That's their point. Their point is to have to graduate and to keep, you know, admissions coming in and all that stuff. Um, so she, she gave me all those links and I went and looked at them and none of them tested. Yay. And I was, I did a flip. <laughs> I did a flip. I did a cartwheel. I was like, yes, they don't have to worry about it. And they're all pretty much paper-based. So great. I got that. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> um, so let's just, I just wanted to ask you, um, uh, how does that affect your leadership or the people that you lead? Um, you know, like when you have those moments that kind of keep you up at night, do you ever feel like it, it bleeds over? Um, if maybe you can't make that phone call first thing in the morning, or maybe it's like a week before you can actually get in touch with somebody. Do you ever feel like that, that bleeds over into your team or into your leadership with their, with their the team that you lead? I'm sure it does. I mean, they could probably tell you, you've been interviewing many of them. They could probably tell you exact examples, but you know, um, yeah. I mean, if you care about your work and you care about your job and there's a lot, you know, writing on 
I mean, we change family trees here. So you come as a student that you know, many times we have GED students and school was not for them. They get here, they feel our arms around them, helping them. They feel the caring environment and they succeed and they move on and they do great things. I don't want to be ever the barrier. Right. And so if I ever feel like we are putting up barriers to student success, um, I feel very, I, I feel very defeated, and I feel probably that that comes through to right. my team. Right. And I want to, I want to fix, it. I right. fix it as soon as I can. You're a problem solver. I am troubleshooter. I am. Same. I, I, I need to. Once you identify a problem, you know I need to move forward and fix it as quickly yeah. as I can. And if there's some reason why I can't, there's a lot of aggravation yeah. and frustration wrapped up in that, which I'm sure probably from time to time comes through yeah. with my team. But I think most of the time, you know, accuracy is very important to me. So before I speak, before I make a decision, I try very hard to get all of the information in advance. And so I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident moving forward that this is this is the right direction. This right. is where we need to go. And so I hope that my team um, doesn't feel a lot of the residuals from right. my moments when I question. Right. And I'm sure if they do, they're forgiving because they understand. Well, I hope so. What, I, would, I, would, I would assume so. I mean, because, I mean, you know, even if there's a disagreement amongst, and I don't mean you or your team, but I mean a leader and a team in general, even if there's a disagreement at the end of the day, um, you know, all is fair yes. and love and war. Absolutely. And we all get stressed out. Sure. And it's okay to be stressed out. We, uh, it's very necessary. I don't think we do a good job of this um, in, in society today. It moves so fast. I don't think we take time to just vent. And mm -hmm. so when I came here as vice president for academic affairs, I set up a meeting with me and the deans mm -hmm. that led the schools. And I gave them the opportunity to vent. And everything was on the table, it, whether it was something that they didn't like that I had done. We talked it through. And sometimes people just want to be heard. That sounds like an event that needs to happen regularly. <laughs> you know, like sometimes people just need to be heard. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's like a once or twice a year type situation. It's probably about 70% of what I do, yeah. you know, as president and then before as provost was listening to people. I was going to say, when you listen, you trust me. They do. If you really listen. If you're listening. And that's the key. Not hearing. <laughs> But listening. Because it's not very satisfying right. when you can tell somebody's tuned out and they're on their phone or, or whatever. They have to really know that they're, they're hurt. And there are ways to help them know that yeah, I, I really genuinely process what you just said. Right. Yeah, I understand that. Um, so I just want to touch on, uh, we talk about, I, I talk about the lab all the time. I love the lab. And I, I just want to give like a plug um, to any student that's listening if you see that there are federal work study opportunities for you, uh, you should pursue them. It is not hard to land these positions. They usually will pay you something, which is really cool. Money is good, right? If you're a college student. Um, but that's not the that's not the best thing that comes out of that. The best thing that comes out of that for me is the ability to embed myself um, with the faculty and staff the ability to network myself mm -hmm. and the ability to say to uh, the athletic director, Hey, listen, <laughs> I I'm, I'm going to send you my resume. This is the last time you see my name. Just so you know. 
so you guys, there are um, jobs out there within our within our school that are for uh, federal work study. There's also opportunities part-time, even if you're not eligible for federal work study. So when you see those signs up in your campus, make sure that you reach out and you see. Without asking, you will never know, right? And a no cost, nothing. Oh, that's so hard to say because <laughs> it's a double negative. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> so do you have any last advice for anybody regarding trust or just leadership in general? Don't underestimate what a good, honest conversation can mean to you and to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, we don't take enough time for these kinds of things, but I think we're at a point now where we really have to be intentional and mm-hmm. have conversations because great ideas, action items, uh, warm and better feelings toward each other, right. all of the good that comes out of those conversations. That's what it's well, uh, Dr. Nicole Kana, sorry, <laughs> I really appreciate the time that you've given to this project. Um, this this project's going to score me my honors graduation. So uh, I, I really appreciate um, for anybody who didn't catch it when I said when I said it earlier. Uh, Dana has served as the vice president for academic affairs at Chattanooga State Community College, as an assistant vice president and dean of academic affairs at Lanier Technical College, and she's our current interim president. Of Georgia Highlands College. This is a big deal, you guys. Um, and she likes to talk to students. So if you have a cool project that's like a podcast or something, um, and you want to graduate with honors, reach out to her. Indeed. Awesome. Indeed. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you. So I appreciate much. you. No problem.